following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Here the Bible says, And Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And, and, he, uh, seeth, and he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but uh, the Father which hath sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak again, uh, talking about uh, Christ's confession. Hope to wind this up this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd uh, be with us today. Father, help us uh, to be blessed of thee through thy word and through the, word of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And Father, I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling with sickness. Again, we have others who are not able to be here because of sickness. And Father, it seems like such a strange world that we live in where there's so much sickness lately. And I pray, God, that you'd help those who are. Father, raise them up, give them their health. And Father, bring them back to us. And Lord, the, the, for those of us who are here, I pray, God, that you would help me to communicate thy word to those who've come. And Lord, I pray that you do in our hearts what only you can do. Father, all I am is a messenger. And Father, help me to deliver the message. And Father, uh, Father, glorify yourself in our response. I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Christ's confession. Now, after, you know, <clears throat> we had seen, uh, if you will, in verses 42 and 43... Uh, the issue of, of the confession or those that would not or could not confess. In verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And yet Christ in his words in verse 44 uh, gives, if you will, his confession uh, of himself uh, to the world and to those who stood by with him. And in these words, the Bible says, Jesus cried and said, we see his confession. And we began to, we talked last week about the message of his confession. A message is any notice, word of communication, written or verbal, sent from one person to another. It's an official written or verbal communication of facts and opinions. Now, Christ, in these words, Jesus cried and said this passage of Scripture, we're receiving heaven's own official, verbal, and written record of Christ's confession, and uh, in his message, the things he asserts concerning himself. First of all, we talked about the, the fact that he asserts the fact of his deity in verses 44 and 45. He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. We took the time to look in the scripture and found out God the Father had sent him. He's saying that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John 14, John 14, many are the scripture that point to Jesus Christ as being God in the flesh. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If he had known me, he should have known my father also. And from, from henceforth you know him and have seen him. What is he saying? You've seen me, you see the father, 
I'm God in the flesh. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. You know, there's always somebody in the crowd who isn't getting it. And here's Philip who doesn't seem to be getting it. And the Lord could have just about hit him on the head with a stick, and I'm not sure he'd have gotten it. But nonetheless, Jesus goes on to say in verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So he asserts the fact of his deity in his message. In his message he also asserts the fact that he is the light of the world. Looking back to John 12, John 12 and verse 46. Here the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness and he had made reference to this earlier in john 8 if you look there with me he is asserting the the fact that he is the light of the world the light of god to this world in john 8 and 12 john 8 and 12 then spake jesus again unto them saying i am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life john 3 john 3 And then looking at verse 19. The sad thing is that in the face of the Lord's definite assertion of himself being the light of the world, the Bible says in verse 19 of John 3, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So there are those that believe in the light, they follow the light, they're children of the light, and they're the, on, on the whole, most of this world would and will refuse the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, even though he has asserted himself to be so. And then uh, fourthly, if you, thirdly, if you will, look back to John 12. John 12. <clears throat> And verse 47, he asserts the fact that he is the Savior of the world. In uh, John uh, 12 and 47, And if any man hear my words I be, and, believe me not, and believe not, I judge him not, for I, am not uh, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. What a blessing that he asserts here himself to be the Savior of the world in Luke 19 and 10. Luke 19 and 10. After he's gone out of his way to save Zacchaeus, a sinner, a publican, verse 10, Jesus said this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and save sinners because he is the Savior. John 3, John 3 and 16. John 3 and 16, the Bible says here plainly, For God so loved the world... You know, sometimes you, you talk to people, and I think there are people, may, maybe many more people than we would imagine, that feel like no one loves them. God would assert to them, uh, through this passage of Scripture and many others, that God loves all men and would have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For God so loved the world, and He proves it in these words and in His actions, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, 
But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Christ came first to save, seek and save that which was lost. He'll come the second time as judge of the earth. And then he asserts lastly, in looking back to uh, John 12, he asserts the fact of the authority of his word, John 12. <clears throat> you know, sometimes people uh, treat the written word of God as if it's just a, a, a collection of the writings of men. I've had many people tell me that over the course of, of my Christian life, and I've always tried to bring them back to what the Bible says of itself. You know, the reality is this, that <clears throat> I can try to convince their head only God through his word, even though, you know, there would be those who would deny it to be the word of God, God still uses the instrumentality of the word of God to reach the human heart. It's called the sword of the spirit in Ephesians chapter 6. But here, if you look with me to uh, John 12, and again, uh, looking at verses uh, uh, 48, it says here, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me gave me a commandment, uh, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting, and whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Again, he's speaking of, the, of authority here, because everyone will be answerable to the words of God. Where are those words? 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3, even in the face of those who would strive to deceive you and to deceive the world, uh, Paul writes here to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus, all Scripture. That doesn't mean all the versions of the Bible, but all Scripture as God has preserved it for us as English-speaking people in the King James Bible. Okay, and let me say this. The King James Bible does not correct the manuscripts from which it was translated, but rather is, a, is an accurate preservation of God's Word for English-speaking people in this Word. And for those, you know, there are many nations... That uh, whose uh, primary language is not English, yet yet still strive to use the King James Bible. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. There is authority in these words because these are the words of God preserved for us. We don't have to wonder what God expects from us, what God says of himself, because we know what he expects. We know what he, he says of himself. We know what he will require of us because of his word, if you will. Matthew 7, <clears throat> Matthew 7, 28 and 29. Matthew 7, 28 and 29. <clears throat> And even if there are those that refuse the word of God and the authority of God's word over them, they will still nonetheless answer to a holy God based upon his holy word. In Matthew 7 and 28, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one, <coughs> excuse me, 
having authority and not as the scribes. And let me remind you, folks, that Jesus had dealt with the matter of, uh, of human tradition, the traditions of men, religious traditions. And you know what? He said, uh, by, by embracing that over the Word of God, you've, stru- you, you've tried to make the Word of God of, of none effect. The reality is, is when Christ spoke, He spoke the words of God because He is the Word of God. And He also referred back to the holy uh, the the scriptures that was written that were written given to Israel by God through men the bible says holy men of God spake as they were moved by the holy ghost god in christ would refer back to the scriptures constantly and yet uh, many would reject that authority and will reject it it's sad to say in mark 7 mark 7 and 1 <clears throat> Mark 7 and 1. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Then came together the, unto him the Pharisees and concerning the scribes which, uh, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw him, some of his disciples eat uh, bread with defile, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come uh, from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? But they eat bread with unwashed hands. And he answered and said unto them, Well, well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, and, uh, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God that ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye, shall, uh, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God a none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many uh, such like things you do. Again, we, we talked about the fact that they're rejecting the authority of God and his word over them. And then we began to talk about the manner of his confession, looking back to John 12. John 12. <clears throat> and uh, looking at uh, verse 44 again. <clears throat> and Jesus cried and said, now as we, as we look at these words, we see here some of the manner of his confession. First of all, we talked last time about the bowl, his boldness in speaking, he, Jesus cried. Here we can see the boldness and courage of our Lord Jesus Christ in declaring the message of his confession. And that's in contrast to those who supposedly or profess, maybe in their heart, to believe and yet were afraid to confess. If you will, Proverbs 1, Proverbs 1, <clears throat> 20, Proverbs 1, 20, and 21. Here Solomon, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says again, Wisdom crieth without, 
She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the opening of the gates, in the city. She uttereth her words. You know, folks, sometimes we, as Christian people, uh, sometimes we're afraid to be bold for our God with the truth of God because we let man intimidate us and make us fearful. It's sad, but it's so. Here our Lord Jesus Christ, as God in the flesh, was not afraid to speak and declare uh, the truth, if you will, in John 7. John 7, even the, the, the uh, message of himself, his confession in John 7, 27 through 29. John 7, verses 27 to 29. Howbeit we know this man whence he is, but when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Now, in light of that, verse 28, then Jesus cried, uh, then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught. Now, he, he had heard these words. They're denying that he is the Christ. They imagine that they, they know him to be the son of Joseph rather than the son of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ boldly and with great courage speaks out to try to get their attention. He said, you both know me and you know whence I am and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true whom you know not. But I know him for I am from him and he hath sent me. You know, Christ didn't just stick, sit by and say, well, you know, they, they're struggling. with." No, he cried out in boldness, trying to get their attention and assert again the truth of who he is in the face of the doubters. In Romans 1, verses 15 and 16. <clears throat> Romans 1, <clears throat> verses 15 and 16. Here Paul writes, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul said, and you know, he preached in all kinds of places, in all kinds of situations, and at times stood before kings and boldly declared the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet in Ephesians 6, if you look there with me, Ephesians chapter 6, as bold at times as he was, is asking prayer here. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, as a part of the armor of God, he writes, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching there unto all watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therefore I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Twice he speaks of being bold and asks for prayer concerning that. Now Paul found himself in jail on many occasions. And one who is in jail doesn't always feel like they have the, even the right to speak. And yet Paul spoke boldly and wanted to be sure that when he was given an opportunity, he would speak boldly for our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that mean we need to walk around constantly waving our Bibles, you know, buy a 60-pound Bible, waving it around, boldly speaking for the truth? No. But it does mean when God gives us an opportunity to witness that, that we should ask God to give us the grace 
to be bold and speak up for the Lord. <clears throat> Not everyone will stand in a pulpit and be called upon to, uh, uh, to speak boldly for the Lord. But every one of us may have an opportunity to speak up and, if you will, declare the message of Christ <clears throat> in the manner of which Christ himself spoke boldly, with courage. If you will, look back to John 12 and see the second thing, John 12. <clears throat> <clears throat> let's look at verse 44 again Jesus cried and said he that believeth on me, on me believeth not on me but on him that sent me and he that seeth me seeth him that sent me I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness now secondly as we're talking about the manner of his speaking not only was he, was he, he spoke boldly but we see his earnest desire in speaking. Now, as Christ is speaking these words in this message, you know what his heart's desire was for those that heard the message was that they would be genuinely saved by the grace of God. You know, this isn't just, you know, we're not a part of some cult that's running around telling people all this, disseminating all this information to draw attention to ourselves and somehow, you know, have some movement that we're created so people will follow us. You know, the, the important thing in being saved by the grace of God and having a message to deliver to people that need to hear it is because we know and understand their need to hear it and we want them earnestly to hear it. Amen? So they, they might be saved. <clears throat> In John 14, again, and verses 9 through 11. <clears throat> Jesus, as God, is showing the earnestness <clears throat> of his desire in his speaking. In John 14 and 9, <clears throat> Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that seeth me seeth the, hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Now, he is earnestly imploring them, and even Philip, to believe to truly, you know what, how, are we saved by works? No, we're not. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We believe and are sure that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. God wants us to be completely convinced and put our faith and our trust in Him and what He's done for us and the fact that He loves us and wants to save us. You know, we're trying to convince men and women and young people, we're trying to convince them of the love of God because it should be our desire that they're truly saved. Amen? You know, to me, I feel like, <clears throat> uh, I would feel like a total failure if I stood before God and most of the members of the Bible Baptist Church weren't there. Weren't there. And there may be some who are members of the Bible Baptist Church who won't be there. And I'm going to tell you something. I would feel like I'd failed them 
if somehow they didn't truly get saved. All of this is not so because we're, it's the thing to do Sunday morning. We Baptists, we get together, we faithfully come, we sing these songs, the preacher stands up and rants and raves like a maniac. And then we go home and we do it again. That's the thing we do. Is that the only reason we're here? Is that? Matthew 9. Look at verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto, the, unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. What do we see here? A desire to help people. A desire to help people. And I'm going to say this. You know, we can only do so much sometimes for people. But we ought to strive to do what we can. Our desire should be to try to help them to know the love of God, sometimes by our behavior toward them, our care for them. And let me say this, you know, in times past, this church has been a very caring church, a giving church to helping other people. And I used to joke, and sometimes I feel like, some, because sometimes people contact us. And you know what they really want? They just want money. And I've said this before, but we're not the Bible Baptist Bank. Amen. And we do at times give and, and strive to help people because we care about them. And sometimes we help people who are not even saved. You know, the Bible says that God did, Christ did good to all, even to so many that would not be saved. He strove to do good and treat them properly and rightly. And yet, you know, still people wouldn't be saved. Still many that Christ helped and fed and took care of weren't saved, and yet it was his desire that they would be. In Matthew 11 and 28, Matthew 11 and 28, <clears throat> he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see the heart of care and earnest desire in the Lord as he is speaking to the lost. In Romans 10 and verse 1, Romans 10 and 1. <clears throat> Here we see the heart of, of the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> Romans 10 and 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. You know, Paul is saying, listen, I want them with all my heart to be saved. And you know what? He knew what they were going through. He knew how religious and earnest they were in their religion because Saul of Tarsus, 
who was the Apostle Paul before he was saved, who had that same earnest desire, thinking, you know what, we're going to be zealous for God, we're going to keep the commandments, we're going to observe the sacrifices, and on and on and on it went. But they weren't saved. And he wasn't saved. Finally, the Lord got through to him on the road to Damascus, and he was saved by the grace of God. And, you know, he heard the, the gospel the first time under Stephen, he stood by while they stoned Stephen to death. And they heard Stephen say, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. They, he'd heard that. The Holy Spirit began to prick his heart until finally on the road to Damascus, God stopped him in his tracks and said, wait a second. What are you going to do with Christ? What are you going to do? Now he got saved. And you know what? When he got saved he realized what he had believed and how wrong he was and how wrong his people were. And he earnestly desired that they would be saved. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 6, <coughs> verse 17. Here Paul writes, but, be, but we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come again, and we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope and, or, or joy or crown of rejoicing are not ye, even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. You see Paul's heart, it's the same heart that Christ and God has for uh, others, and it affected his speaking, his earnest desire in speaking. And lastly, look back to John 12. <clears throat> John 12 <clears throat> and verse 48. John 12 and 48. Here the Bible says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life and everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Here in these last words we see not only his boldness in his speaking, his earnest desire in his speaking, Thirdly and lastly, his warning in his speaking. You know, as much as God loves people, he loved them, he, he was bold to try to communicate the gospel, communicate the message of himself. He had an earnest desire for them. And you know what, folks? Lastly, he gave them a warning. You know, the Lord, had, <clears throat> and let me say this, this wasn't the first warning. God, throughout human history, before he pronounces judgment on anyone, warns them time and time and time and time again before finally the judgment of God comes down upon someone. Here the Lord's giving another warning. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, shall the same shall judge him in the last day. Speaking of judgment, he's giving a warning of his judgment and the instrument for <clears throat> through which God will judge men. And that's the authority of his word. Again, as we've spoken of, look with me to Deuteronomy 18. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 18. 
And let's begin in verse 18. Deuteronomy 18 and 18. I'll start in verse 17. The Lord said unto me, Deuteronomy 18, 17, they have well spoken that which they have spoken. And I will raise, him up, raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a, a word in my name, which I have not commanded him, uh, commanded him to speak, or that he that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. Now he's giving a warning. He's saying, listen, I'm going to send a prophet like you. That prophet, if you will, Deuteronomy 13, excuse me, Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. And he'll have words to speak unto them in Deuteronomy 30. Look at verses 15 through 20. Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20. Here the Bible says, See, I've set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I commanded thee uh, this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou, uh, go, uh, thou goest to possess it. And if thine heart be turned away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce you this day, and uh, that uh, ye shall surely perish, and uh, that ye shall prolong, not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to possess it. He says, I call heaven and earth to record record against the, this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that, uh, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest obey his voice, that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the, the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Now God is speaking through Moses the prophet. He would speak the same words through that prophet who is the Lord Jesus Christ to give warning uh, to his people as he's given warning uh, through all of his prophets. If you look with me to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, we find John Baptist, which was the prophet of God, sent as a herald of Christ's first coming in Matthew 3 and 7, as he's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, verse 7. The Bible says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Now here there were those that were coming along, maybe trying to infiltrate the the, the following of John Baptist and the work that was going on, maybe to spy out their liberty in Christ, whatever. But uh, John Baptist challenged them concerning their faith. You know, throughout Baptist history, it, has become, it had become a more uh, difficult thing for people to join with some of the, these Baptist churches because of those that were secretly spying out the liberty of Christians, trying to find a way to destroy them. And they began, many in, in, in times past as Baptists would, if you will, have set the people that wanted to be baptized and join their group, 
they would set them before the people and they would have to ask, answer some questions and in effect prove whether they were truly saved or not. And it was important, you know, we, you know before I'll baptize someone, I'm going to sit down and talk to them about their faith and try to, to ascertain whether they're truly saved or not. Let me say this. Sometimes people will hold to the fact that, they're not, uh, that they are saved and will baptize them, giving them the benefit of the doubt and sometimes finding out after the fact that they weren't saved. And it's unfortunate. You know, we're, we're, I don't just grab people up and baptize them. I strive by the grace of God to, to try to be sure that they're saved. And yet they're not all saved. And there's, you know, folks, there's a warning that John Baptist gives and that Christ is giving in Matthew 21 and 42. <clears throat> you know, there is, a, there is this spirit that says, even among Baptists, that, oh, you know, don't question someone's salvation. Really? Well, that's ridiculous. Because, you know, what if we question something, someone about their salvation? Will they lose their salvation for that reason? No. Will they somehow be discouraged? You know what, folks, if you're truly saved, you know what, you, you know it. And sh you should be able to give testimony to that fact. Now, you may not be terribly articulate, but you can tell people what the Lord has done for you in salvation, can't you? Can't you? The Bible says be ready always to give an answer to him that asketh you the reason of the hope that's in with, with meekness and fear. Can you not speak up for yourself? Can you personally tell people how you got saved and why? And who? I would hope so. Matthew 21 and 42. Jesus said unto them, Did not, did you, you never read in the scripture the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall it will grind into powder. You know, folks, when we fall upon the Lord crying out for mercy, we'll find mercy. But folks, if we wait for the Lord to fall on us, not believing that he will, he will. And when God falls on men that have rejected him, he will bring them to destruction. He will bring them to a sad end. If you will, Colossians 1, <clears throat> Colossians 1 and 27, Colossians 1 and 27. <clears throat> Bible says here, <clears throat> to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ and you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in us, in me mightily. He's talking about warning every man. You know what, folks? Sometimes people don't like to be warned. You ever had to warn a child? How many children love to be warned? Not too many. Especially behavior, and they don't want to change. You warn them. You know, they don't like to be warned, but you know what? If we don't warn them, 
then you know we're not we don't love them and care about them you don't just grab a child up and start spanking them without warning them we should warn them give them an opportunity to change their behavior if they do fine if they don't they should expect they should expect to be punished for it amen it's life you know what folks god doesn't send anyone to hell before having warned them in hebrews 12 Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. Hebrews 12 and 25. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, verse 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not, not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. And folks, every time the Word of God is, is preached and taught and read, you know what, folks? God is speaking from heaven. Amen. It's not me. I'm a man. But the Word of God is the Word of an almighty, eternal, everlasting God. And God continues to speak from heaven. It's important that people are careful not to refuse God speaking from heaven refuse his warnings from heaven through his word. Amen? Because, folks, to refuse and reject the warning of God might lead, leave you, if you're not saved, headed for hell and finally judged by God. Amen? And even as a Christian, folks, sometimes God will warn us. Trying, you know what, folks? Trying to keep us out of trouble. Amen? Trying to keep us from destroying ourselves. Are we listening? Amen? You know, his manner is one of boldness and courage. His manner is one of earnest desire that people are saved and are helped. But there, his manner is also in warning others of the judgment and trouble to come if they refuse him that speaketh from heaven. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.